Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Or afternoon or evening, depending on when you tuned in to be real today. It's me, Diana. <laughs> I'm here and with Anita. It's me and Anisha. This is a first in a series of mini sods therapy uh, roundtable discussions with therapists. So um, we're super excited because today we have one of our own. One of our own is in the house, Jillian Lichter. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm super excited. So why don't we just jump right in, Jillian, and you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are. My name is Jillian. I am a a licensed mental health counselor. I've been in practice for about eight years now. Um, I'm currently, as you mentioned, a psychotherapist at Be Well. Um, And I I first started my work at an LGBTQIA-focused nonprofit therapy center in the city, and I've also worked at a couple of different private practices, and and now I'm here. Now you're here with us, which we are super excited about. We're excited to have you here on Be Real and also as a member of the Be Well team, of course. Let's get right to it. So at the round table, we get to talk about what goes on in the room, right? And kind of focus on some of the reasons people tend to come to therapy. So today we are going to talk about identity and how we see identity crisis kind of show up in our work. So Jillian, if you can tell our listeners how you break down the concept of identity, and then we'll kind of get into like what identity crisis might look like. All right. So identity is, it's, I mean, it's, it's a big thing. I think it's really, uh, an umbrella term for a lot of different things. When people come in, it's often about, it's, it's not usually about identity specifically. You know, people come in for uh, issues around work or relationships, conflicts with various people or situations in their life. As we do work together, it sort of unfolds and we talk about the ways in which we interact with the world, the ways in which we see ourselves, not necessarily from an external perspective, but how we see ourselves internally, if that makes sense. Oh, no, it definitely makes sense. Um, I think when I think about identity, I definitely think about how it shifts and how it kind of grows through our, our lives, it, depending on kind of the new challenges that we have to confront and just kind of things that we have to tackle every day in our lives. I think about the people who come see me, who come to see me when they begin a new relationship, right? So they kind of think about who am I in a relationship? 
right? Because they want to then compare the last relationship. Maybe they don't want to make the same mistakes or they may want to recreate some things from the last relationship. I think about people who are going through divorces or who are ending um, relationships or marriages. Again, they start to think about who am I? So all these times in your life that something kind of new happens, um, you know, a lot of new parents, right? Like, who am I as a mom? Who am I as a dad? Like, I know who I was when I was, you know, single Anisha, right? But like, what is Anisha the mom look like? So I, I do see people come into session, come to see me when they're kind of trying to figure that out and work through that. And they feel like they can no longer kind of work through that on their own. Well, and I, I think you bring up a really important point, And that is identity, like most things, it's fluid. And so there's a lot of opportunity for growth and change throughout our lives. You know, even even if we just look at the the last eight months of our lives, how much has changed (laughs) (laughs) and how we've all had to adapt to it, especially these days, you know, our roles have changed. And, you know, what does that mean for how we build relationships, how we uh, move forward in our careers, uh, you know, how our how our life looks. And I think that it's something that is universal that we all experience, that we all struggle with to some extent. But it's all, it's also something that's constantly changing. And as we grow, our identities shift. And it's about understanding, you know, who we are as we enter each new stage of our life. I think it's important that we talk about how, uh, and more so go in depth, but how identity changes and shifts and sort of what what happens in that in those transitions, because as you guys are both talking about it, I'm thinking of Erickson and his developmental theory. And like when we're taught in school and also as a concept as a whole, right? Like for people in general, it's like your identity develops in the first seven years of your life. And then you start to become a full person. But in those changes and those shifts and changes, we actually go through those changes again, like almost developmentally, like we did as a kid, every time we change, because we have to like acknowledge who we are, acknowledge where we're going as we shift into the next state, the next identity, right? Like we have given, like if we talk about motherhood, for example, as we're given nine months to start to develop that identity and like look at it, we mourn a part of ourselves to shift into the next one. And then we allow ourselves to separate from that. Like it's such an internal shift, right? We separate from that old self to the new self. And like in those transitions, sometimes Sometimes they're smooth and easy, but sometimes they're like, oh, uh-uh, mm-mm, no, 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 no. I am kicking and screaming, getting to the other side. And that's where the therapy comes in, right? Like if there was any, and this is going to get too heady, but I'm going to do it anyway. So if there was at, like in the, in the, in the original seven years, like where if there was, and I don't want to, there doesn't necessarily have to be a trauma, but if there was a trauma or a disconnect or a miscommunication or somebody just like missed a beat, nobody's fault except for life itself, right? Each time we shift an identity or we shift into something else, that fracture comes up. And that's where like the work that we all do really comes in, into play because we take, we find, we help the person find that crack and we're like, okay, so it's not like broken. It's just a little crack. We got a little super glue here. We're going to like, we're going to help you get over it. We're going to put it all back together. And like, we're just going to help you move through. So when we're thinking about it and we're thinking about identity and we're thinking about where the work is, what do you, what are some of the nuances you see Jillian in the, in, in the 
crises, I think I want to, and because identity crisis is a word, is language that we yep, use. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. It's totally a thing. I mean, I can, I can give you my three best identity in cri- at my own personal three highlights if you want at any point. <laughs> <laughs> I got them all. I can see them right now as we're talking. <laughs> yeah. In terms of identity crises and and what comes up in the room, I think what you said about, you know, that that crack shows up and sometimes we super glue it. I think there are times when that's the case in terms of helping people be able to sort of get through the daily stuff and, you know, the, I don't know, our, our daily lives. I think that super glue is tremendously helpful. At the same time, and this is where things get a little a little sticky, is sometimes that crack needs to needs a little bit of help, you know, obviously at everybody's own pace, opening up and like let's take a look at what's in there. Let's see like what is preventing that crack from healing or sealing up, you know, what what's down there and doing a little bit of you know excavation work if we're sticking with the metaphor to to see what's going on. And and I I think excavation is a good word. It is a good word. I mean, we, that's exactly what we're doing. Like we're going, we're really helping people go in there and like scoop, like dig around. We are doing some digging and who knows what sort of artifacts we're going to come up with that either we want to keep, we're going to like send them off to a museum because they're really important and we're going to put them on display and others we're just going to toss aside because they're, they're no longer necessary. I like that. I like that language a lot. And that's my favorite part of the work where, you know, I mean, I, I think clients disagree. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think this is the part that, you know, they could really do without, but I, I think it's tremendously important. And also like there are little traumas that come up and, and things that maybe uh, weren't as obvious or patterns that, that weren't as clear as they've gone through life or, you know, even as we go through life. Mm-hmm. And, and to be able to confront things that were initially uh, too overwhelming or too scary. And so to be able to do that in a therapy setting, I think is really useful for people. I think if we want to talk about, you know, what's happening in the room, I think this is where we start to see resistance. Yes. Um, yeah. And for me, what I notice in the resistance sometimes is that that's when people start to kind of cancel sessions a bit or are letting me know, well, you know, Anisha, maybe I need to take a break from therapy. And as a therapist, for me to go back in and say, okay, so let's talk about that a bit, right? Like, why do you want to take the break? Is is it too much hurt and pain coming up for you as we continue to go deeper and kind of look at this shift that you're going through? And I think for some people, they've never been asked to look at their lives in the way that we ask them to look at it when they're sitting in a room or on video or wherever they are with us, right? Um, And so it feels so foreign to most clients. And I think that for the listeners to know that, yes, it does feel foreign. I don't think that therapy sessions will ever feel easy, right? I've I've been in therapy for many years and it doesn't get any easier, right? Because there's always something else coming up. And I think that's the interesting thing about therapy. There's always something kind of around the corner that you didn't realize was there. Even things that we think we've resolved can can reemerge. Right. Oh, right. I mean, <laughs> I notice in my own therapy things come up that I you know haven't talked about in a long time, and I'm sometimes surprised by that. And you know, it's like we think we have a handle on something, and sometimes that's not always the case. Right, because you've like shelved it, and then all of a sudden it comes up like in a different form, and you're yep. like, oh, oh, okay, all right, there it is. And I think when, and as Anisha was saying, like when it gets, 
the relationship, the therapeutic relationship is weird, right? Like there's no other way to describe it. It's like, it's a relation, like it's a relationship with a person, right? I know for both sides, right? Like you, you want to know, like oftentimes you want to know more about your patient, but you just know what they bring into the room in that moment. And like you have, and your patient will also have a whole fantasy about you. But I think that in the, in the part, cause we've all been there as on both sides of the couch, right? That when it gets to be the most challenging and then you don't want to go back, but like you go back because you know that that's where the growth is. And so in these moments of crises of identity and like what is happening to you, right? As the, as the individual who's, who's having that feeling (laughs) like, like, you go back because one, you are trusting that the therapist, the person with you is going to be able to hold those feelings for you. And two, because now we've, now there's no going back. I mean, that's the other part, right? Like once we've started, you can't, there's no turning back. Like you can't, that door is open, my friends and come on in. <laughs> we may not want to try and close it up on your own. Right. So you may right. want to go back. To therapy. <laughs> you wanna, yeah. You don't want to suture that on your own. No, no. And, and I think that's uh, a, a really important point, you know, as a therapist, it, I think it's, crucial to honor the resistance a little bit mm-hmm. and be mindful of where somebody is in their process and understand that like, this is difficult at the same time, you know, to encourage people at their own pace to, to open up a bit more and to, to be curious about themselves and to want to explore what's going on for them and, and how they're being affected by uh, changes in their life and identities that, that they take on throughout the process. And I think that there's a lot of, um, at least something that I've noticed, especially this past year in my work is that people are struggling to find that patience with themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. we often have patience for everything else and everybody else in our lives, except when it comes to ourselves. And so I think that that's something that is not easy to develop, but is possible to, to work on and to, to grow in that way. So let me ask you this, Jillian, how do you see this in the relationship to the pandemic, this kind of identity crisis with the pandemic in your work? I'm seeing a lot of uh, anxiety come up Mm -hmm. in new ways. People are more anxious about who they are and like what that means. Um, And that's like sort of vague to say, but uh, I think a lot in terms of uh, something that's come up for everybody has been career and jobs and who are they if they're not communicating in the same way? Um, how will other people see them? How, how do they see themselves in terms of what they want? And if somebody is particularly focused on their career, if that is sort of a primary aspect of their life, to have something like that be uprooted really questions that identity and, and that part of themselves, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I think that what I've been seeing as far as like jobs and careers for people who have lost them, it feels like the lo- they lost the value of who they are, right? It's like I had one of my clients say, well, I'm, I'm nothing now. Like I'm shit, I'm, I'm shit because, you know, I lost my job. And I was like, so we clearly have to figure out who you are aside from your work because work is always going to change. We can lose a job at any given moment in our lives over our lifespan, or we can just decide to have a new career. So what does that mean? Every time you lose your job, now you're it, right? So you have to figure out who you are 
away from that. And I think so many of us, especially Americans, um, we see our worth dependent upon what we do for a living. Mm -hmm. And I think that is definitely hurting us because I do believe people also, you know, treat you based on what you do, right? So if I tell someone that, hey, and no offense to a fast food worker, right? But like, hey, I'm, you know, I work at McDonald's. Maybe they might figure out, you know, how they're going to talk to me, how they're going to treat me versus if I say that I'm a therapist. Mm -hmm. So I do think that in our country, it becomes a huge part of our identities. And I would love to see a shift away from that. Agreed. And I think that gets compounded by other identities in our lives. So if we're a parent, you know, what is my day going to look like now if I am trying to (laughs) simultaneously raise my kid and still perform at the level that I I know myself to perform in my job. And, you know, I think especially for historically for women, but also people who are uh, trying to balance, you know, anyone who's trying to balance work and family, I think to to do that already was challenging, but then to, to have to do it in some ways simultaneously is that much more of, of a task. And so to differentiate between, okay, you know, I've got these two things going on at the same time. How do I navigate when I'm a parent and when I'm who I know myself to be in my job? The brain is the mind and it's so hard to shift from into the two different states, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, because you go, I know for me personally, my professional identity is very important to me. And then being shifting from one to the other while you're at home, because you really like walk out of one room and don't have time for the mind to quiet. And then so that you can get into the next mode, you're always in it. So there's so much anxiety that comes up in that because you can't shift it so quickly and also fatigue. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I just want that was a self-disclosure right there. Yeah. There's a lot of there is just there's the fatigue of it. Like you're in, in the shift, you get like like I've just recently gotten to it, I'm calling it pandemic fatigue because I there's there's no break like everything is going on Mm -hmm. at once. And so like now setting new boundaries for myself moving forward after today (laughs) so that I can, I, I leave time for that. And I'm fortunate because I can, like, I don't have small children. So like I can leave time for that break in between. I mean, I just, I just watch myself not give myself enough time from therapist to podcast therapist. Right the therapist mm-hmm. in the room to the one that I play on TV. Like there wasn't enough time to shift. No, and I, so. I think those boundaries are critical, especially now where, you know, when we were going into the office, we had our own space for that. When we, uh, you know, came yeah. home, we had our own identity as, uh, as partners, as parents, as neighbors, as friends. And so to have all of that happen in one space, is really challenging. And I think those boundaries are really important for separating and compartmentalizing uh, in our minds, you know, where and how does this get done and where and how does that get done? And I know that for, for a lot of people, that's that's a really difficult ask given everything that's going on um, and that not everybody has the opportunity to create that separation. And so I think even finding small ways of doing that can have a a big impact. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, sorry, guys. Yep. <laughs> I had a little brain freeze there because I'm living in a pandemic. So um, <laughs> <laughs> just seems to happen. I think um, for me during this pandemic, what I've been noticing a lot with some of my clients, you know, 90% of my clientele are people of color and mostly black women. And so I think that there is this thought that we're supposed to be strong all the time. And so I think that that label became an identity. And what happened was during this pandemic, it totally exploded. Like it just kind of cracked in a million pieces because it was just like, my clients are like, I'm not who I was. Like, I thought I was strong. Like I thought I would be able to deal with this and not feel so anxious and not feel so depressed. And so I think that during this pandemic, it's been really hard to kind of hold on to those labels that um, have, have, have been anchoring you kind of all your life because no one teaches us how to be prepared for something like this to happen where you possibly may lose your job and you possibly have to be a wife a mother, an employee, an auntie, a daughter, all at the same time, all day. And so, you know, it, no one prepares you for that. And so you're thinking like, I can do it, I can do it. But then you, you having these like many meltdowns and breakdowns every day, something that you've never experienced. It really, it really forever changes you. And I, and I see that in a lot of my clients that that label of strong, it's like, we have to kind of rethink it. And that's the, the work that I've been doing with them is just kind of like, how do we rethink this? What is strength really? Yes, it may not be what you thought it was, you know? No, I think that's a really great point. And in the same way that we redefine ourselves as we go through life and, and experience uh, shifts in our world, you know, I think we need to redefine things that have been important to us. And, you know, I think there is a strength in having to show up for yourself 24 seven and having to show up. For everybody else 24 7 but there's also a strength in taking care of yourself to to the best of your ability at any given time and i think that we sometimes are not as able to show up for ourselves in the same way that we're able to show up for others and to really redefine what strength means in times that are constantly changing and not always for the better that was very yeah good. um i like that <laughs> now before we give away everything on identity um jillian uh, I believe that we have an opportunity to hang out with you on Thursday. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm really excited. I'm going to be doing a, a wellness talk on identity and sort of going a little bit more in depth uh, from what we were talking about today. Uh, and that's going to be on Thursday. My, my sense of time is totally like out the window. It's okay. Uh, I'm, it's all right. I'm totally with you, but it is <laughs> Thursday the 19th and it's at seven and you can find all the information on our website at bewellpsychotherapy.com backslash events that's backslash <laughs> events. Um, and on our Facebook page and on Instagram. So the link is in the bio on Instagram and you can sign up. And you can come hang out a little bit more with Jillian and go a little bit deeper into this conversation because I think it's so important and to just sort of like be able to lay out what it looks like and how the treatment really getting into therapy can really work, help move. I mean, really, I, I, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about yoga and transition and <laughs> therapy all at the same time. It's like all the, all the information all is, flows. is in the, it all flows together, but the information is all in the transition. And so ignoring the transition means you ignore a part of yourself. And so therapy really helps you to like 
get to that next place and move through this identity shift in a way that otherwise you could, you might miss a mark, right? You might miss out on something amazing. And I think what you just said was so poignant. All the information is in the transition. Like that's, yes, exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So listen, this is our first mini-sode. So at the end of every episode, we have a little bit of a last hurrah. So, uh, Anisha. Okay, here we go. So, Jillian, describe yourself in one word. That's really hard for a lot of us. So, yeah, it is. One word, (laughs) Jillian. That's it. Just one. (sighs) One word. Now I know why these were uh, spontaneous surprise (laughs) questions. (laughs) Right. Because otherwise, all week you would have been like, hey, Describe me in one word. <laughs> yeah. Describe me in one word. How would you, if you had to describe me in one word, what would you say? I'm going to say adaptable. I love it. <gasps> That's a good one. It's a good one. Because I, I'm reflecting on, and I've, I've spent a lot of time reflecting on how much the year has changed and, and, you know, stuff that I've experienced throughout my life as, as we all have. And it's been really tough. And so I think to be able to uh, show up every day and, you know, do my job and show up for myself and the people in my life, you know, I think that, uh, I think it's something that, that I identify with, but also I think that a lot of other people can identify with, uh, especially during this time. So yeah, I'm going to go with adaptable. Um, and before we let you go, I'm going to party on that because it should be noted that Jillian started at Be Well the week of the pandemic. So I met her yes. and sent her home. <laughs> it's true. I've actually never worked in the She's office. She's never worked in the office. I met her. Anisha interviewed Diana her. Interviewed okay. her. I met it her. Over. She, she that was it. And then we've not been in the same room since. And I'm really looking forward to spending time with you in person eventually. Likewise. But but to start a job in that week, you have been exceptionally adaptable. That's a perfect, I was going to say cute because you are, (laughs) but um, that is a perfect way to describe you. And so I want to thank you for hanging out with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Jillian. And everybody sign up for Jillian's workshop and we wellness talk and we will see you there. Okay. Yes. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.